Yo, 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 welcome to PSL Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Rolando, and we're on episode 338, an update episode. Yeah, and as you can see, uh, we're, we're trying something a little different today. I'm uh, I'm at my house, Orlando's at the studio, and uh, we're recording separately uh, just because of illnesses in the family. We're trying to keep them away from, I got a newborn at home, and so we're just trying to play the uh, the safe caution route right now. Uh, but here's the bummer. So we're using, we're using StreamYard, which is really cool. And we don't have our setup, but we're going to eventually have once, uh, once we end up having to do this remote more often. Uh, but, uh, I tried to use my webcam on my computer and it wasn't working and we're trying to do this quickly. So I'm using my phone, uh, which isn't ideal. Uh, but, uh, uh we're going to make this work cause we got to make sure content is going out to the listeners. No, agreed, agreed. And, you know, we should have first made it seem that like you were in Texas in the middle of the move. I think it would have made for a better intro. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, we got to make sure uh, we got to make sure that that happens right. Like we want we want that one to come off like clear, crystal, be perfect, because that's what we want uh, everyone to expect the new Pierce podcast format to look like. So we got a few kinks to work out. Uh, but, you know, I think it's still going to be a good episode. Yeah, agree. So, hey, stick with us. Understand that this is just temporary right now. This is kind of Mike and I last minute going, all right, we got to make sure the episode drops this Wednesday. We got to, you know, make sure things happen. And so we grabbed whatever tech we could and we're making it happen. All right. So how are things going for you, man? Oh, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Still getting some sales coming in here and there. Um, you know, let me tell you something, though. What I've noticed um, about thrift store. So I've been going to a couple of thrift stores now that I'm like even more East County, San Diego, uh, the ones yeah. we're kind of familiar with out here. Uh, but when I lived a little bit closer to the coast, when I was a little bit closer to actual San Diego proper, as it were, uh, I kind of had a route I would take. And, uh, the other day I was in town and I was like, Oh, I've got some time to kill. I'm going to hit up some of the old, my old stomping grounds, some of the thrift stores I used to go to. And I just realized a couple of things. One, it was so much more difficult trying to like get into all the parking and get, find all the spaces I needed to go to. And then two, everything has changed. Like thrift stores that I used to go to on a regular basis uh, are like completely different now. Like the places I could go and I would get, you know, um, I would get just, incredible deals at places, even the way they were structured inside, you know, I walk in and they've completely rearranged everything. Everything looks different now. And, uh, it's like, I don't know. Prices have gone up. We know prices have gone up. Things look different. And so it's just weird to know that like you can have something kind of set as like, this is my normal. This is what I do for, um, you know, I go to this thrift store. This is my routine. This is how I make money. I know I can make money at this, this thrift store. And in the matter of a year or two, that can all change. You know, the places you used to go to, the places that used to be very profitable for you, uh, even the style of the thrift store can change really quickly. And so it's one of those things where um, we always got to be ready for contingency plans. You know, you can, and I know you can relate to this, Rolando, because you used to have a honey hole out here, real East County uh, at a thrift store where they would, you know, the, the managers would hook you up. You knew you could go in and get a good deal. And all it takes is one person leaving that store or them changing their model. And that's not going to be your moneymaker anymore. And so it kind of goes back to that old saying of like not putting all of your eggs in one basket, uh, because if you're doing that, if it's all set on, this is the one thing I can get and I can source, I can source from this location, uh, one little change happens and everything is going to be out the window. So luckily, you know, the way we do our, our, our reselling, you know, things can still come up, you know, it could be bad weather. So there's no garage sales. We still have some thrift stores and we have enough of them. We can adapt to it. Or maybe, maybe, you know, garage sales are doing fine, but the types of inventory you're looking at, it's not that season. And so just remembering as a, as a reseller, you've, unless you're really niched down and you're just good to go, um, you kind of have to be a little bit more flexible. You got to have, um, you know, not putting all your eggs in one basket, be able to adapt like we talk about all the time, but it was just like a, a reminder to me. I mean, even the parking was pretty crazy. Like I spent 10 minutes trying to get into a parking spot because I got blocked in and I couldn't get out. And so it's just, it was gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I get that. I mean, it, it, yeah, you're right. You know, the fact that one person leaving can change everything. And that's actually what happened to me at the store. I shall not be named out here. I, I've mentioned this before in the early days of the podcast. I used to go pretty much every day. It was every day. It was every day. It was seriously Monday through Sunday. And I could have just sourced that that store all the time and it changed. So you got to be flexible. And, and that's one of the things here I, we, I've talked about too, that 
things are changing. I think even in San Diego, as reselling has become more popular, uh, offer up is not a good place to sort. Now you say you find things every once in a while. So it's all about finding that niche and that thing that other people don't know about. But for example, I used to get crazy scores on offer up on Facebook marketplace. And now it's a crazy hunt for everything. Mm -hmm. You have to be within seconds. And, and sometimes what ends up happening is the, the poor innocent people that are getting bombarded with messages, they're not realizing they can ask for more for stuff. Because mm -hmm. what happens is resellers begin to say, oh, I know you had 50. I'll pay you 80 for it. And then they'll they'll play another reseller against that person. They'll say, actually, somebody else is coming in to offer 80. And then that reseller goes, I'll do 100. And I've had that happen to me before where I get priced out of something, even though I may have been the first one, but you'll never know. And it's just the way it goes. And so I definitely have to change. That's why Mike and I have talked about how I think we only, I know for sure uh, you're doing most of your stuff on local deals. I'm doing most of my stuff at garage, those local deals. Uh, I have, you know, a great network from passing out business cards where people are like calling me uh, probably, you know, two to three times a month. And the halls I get from those, uh, they're big enough halls that I'm good for a little while. I have somebody, for example, right now that has cleaning out their basement of vintage toys. So every two weeks they're calling me, they're saying, hey, I got this, are you interested? I got this, are you interested? And so I always recommend that be able to adapt if you need to. Uh, don't just stick to just, hey, I'm just going to thrift stores, or I'm just going to the bins, I'm just doing local deals, I'm just going to garage sales because you don't know how things will change. So did you have you had a chance to go out garage sales? Probably not, huh? Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't been able to go to garage sales recently, but yeah, like I mentioned, uh, local deals have been kind of where I've been been trying to 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 do my most, mostly because I've had family in town with the with the new baby, and so every time it's like, okay, I'm gonna go this Saturday, and then it's like, oh, like cousins are coming down, or you know, some an uncle's coming down to visit, and so I, I want to be here, spend that family time. So Saturdays haven't been good for that. So I've been able to kind of work in local deals, and one of the things uh, just to kind of mention on local deals too. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, as resellers, it changes the way you do a lot of stuff, like the way you do your budget, the way you understand money, even your buying habits change. And one thing that it was kind of cool, just a, like a, a little story with it's, it's connected to a local deal, but it's not for reselling purposes, but it's, it's that saving money. And I was, I needed to get new tires for my trailer and it's specific trailer tires. It's a bigger trailer. So it's not the ones you can just go to Harbor Freight and pay 40 bucks for a trailer tire, which is really cool. And you could do that. Uh, it's a very specific trailer size. And so I called around to a couple of the tire places here and in order to get the two tires I needed, and then also a spare, cause you know, when I go on my road trip, I need a spare tire. Uh, so I was going to have to buy a new rim and, and tire together as a spare. And I was looking at like, it was going to be over $600. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to try, like, why not look on offer up or look on, on, you know, Craigslist. And sure enough, I found somebody who was selling tires out of their house and they had the size I needed the right lug pattern, which I had to kind of a weird, a weird size lug pattern. And it was $95 a tire. So I got a new tire and new rims so three new rims, three new tires. And it just goes to show like, if you're not a reseller and, and a lot of people will check local deals if they're not resellers, but I just don't think the average person is always thinking, I can buy used or these were new. Like I can even just check on a local and maybe somebody's got, you know, set that they're for whatever reason, I don't know, this, this person was selling tires out of like the backyard. They had a whole bunch of them. So this seems to be something that they do. They must have a hookup. Uh, but you know, the average person with, with doing day-to-day -day life, maybe it's like, Oh, I need a new refrigerator. Maybe I should check Craigslist. Uh, but they're not thinking like, Hey, I need new tires or I need new this. I should check offer up. I should check Craigslist. And so just remember that, anything you could think of buying there are people who are either selling it on local deals and if they're not then that potentially is a market for you like if, if there's not already people selling in that field that you're hoping to buy something from then maybe that's a new niche that you can hey maybe if i can find a way to source these items there's going to be people who will buy them uh locally so yeah it's just one of those things where being a reseller kind of just changes your mindset and then when you save money uh because you have those skills, you know where to look, you have the connections, or you just are always thinking like, oh, I should check offer up. And then you end up winning. No, I agree. I agree. It, it changes your whole mentality. It's hard to pay retail for anything. Let us know in the comments. When's the last time you paid uh, retail because uh, it was your last resort, right? Because I now I'll try to find deals on everything, whether it be, you know, car parts. So for example, uh, I'll share my updates. So things have been interesting i've been sourcing at home and it's crazy the stuff i'm coming across that is worth money that i just never listed 
So even like three years ago, at a huge Lionel Hall of train tracks and trains and engines and all these kind of things. And I, I listed all the big money trains. I sold them all. I made major profit. I probably paid, I think I paid 360 and I made like 4K on that haul. <laughs> so I kind of forgot about everything. It's just like in the, in a corner of my garage. I don't want to look at it. And then, you know, since I've been talking about the fact that I'm going to be sourcing at home, I decided to go back into all that Lionel stuff. These are Lionel trains. And I found all kinds of tracks, uh, pieces that go for $50 a piece, uh, the, the little switches for the trains, uh, just all that kind of craziness. And what this is forcing me to do is source from home. I got all kinds of other goods. Now, I will say I did try to go to garage sales and, and I said I would. And what I mean by try is it was the first time there were two community garage sales nearby. And I think they would have been highly profitable, but my car died after the second house. And it was mm. the worst feeling because not only is my car having issues on top of that, how much money am I going to lose by not sourcing? And what ended up happening is I needed to get a new battery. And, you know, it was, it was interesting uh, in, in, in the conversation with the battery guy. I know it's not really seller related, but it is. So I walk in and this is a guy that, you know, he, you go in and you could buy like used batteries from him. Or you could buy like brand new. And he's like, you know, here's my prices. And I said, hey, so how much for an interstate battery? And he's like, listen, I can I can uh, grab a sticker from the interstate battery and I'll slap it on one of the used ones and I'll sell it to you for full price. And I'm like, what, what are you trying to what are you trying to say here? And he's like, he's like, listen, you can pay the top hundred sixty dollars or you can just get this used battery that has been really fully refurbished. And it's the same thing. Did you, mm. And he asked me, he's like, do you know that Interstate doesn't even make batteries? They buy them from a supplier that everybody else buys and they slap their sticker on it. Right. And, and it made yep. me think about, you know, as a reseller, like that, that's that's kind of what we go on when we sell things. Right. Because what's the difference between a Dixon flannel that sells for a lot of money or an L.L. Bean flannel that sells for like mid tier money? Right. It's It's all about the label. It also had me understand that. You know, sometimes you're buying stuff and it's the same quality. And so I end up getting the cheaper battery. And and I, I, I knew it was going to be OK because as a reseller, I understand now. Right. It gives you a different mindset. But my car, you know, I ended up getting fixed and then something else went wrong with it and, and whatever. It's all good. And I always tell people, if you're going full time, make sure you have the ability to take care of things because cars breaking down are not necessarily surprises. Right? right. When you buy a car, you know, eventually something's going to go wrong with it. And so luckily I was able to take care of things. I have a great mechanic and it worked out. Uh, but here, here's what I really wanted to share. So I have learned the lesson that I think most people have been getting on my case about is I price things too high. Now, I think two things can be true. I think one, I may price things too high or two, I may price things right for the right economy. And so what I've learned in the last three weeks this is what I've been doing. I've been talking about sales have been slow and it's been terrible. So for a while, I was running a 30% off sale in my store with a 20% coupon. And I, the coupon's kind of cool. If you haven't used a coupon, it's nice because it's not like people are getting 50% off. They're getting 30% off and then they're getting 20% off the other rest of the amount. So they're not getting a full 50% off. On top of that, eBay takes that 20% off whatever that coupon is off of your shipping and your the taxes that they pay. Mm. So in reality, you're not really giving a full 50% discount. But this weekend, I wanted to try something different. I Because I, what I've recognized is a lot of people aren't using the coupon. And I thought, maybe people aren't realizing they can get an extra discount and buying more. So I'm just going to make flat 50% off everything. And oh my goodness. It was wild. I'm talking about like the best sales I've had since Q4, day after day after day. Even today, uh, the reason this this you know podcast is all jumbled in the beginning too is because I've been trying to get packages out the door into the post office and FedEx in time. I've been trying to prep for the podcast. I'm trying to get my car from the mechanic, and all this is going on. And having that 50% off sale opened the floodgates. So here's my thoughts on this. I I believe. There was a time when you could list highway best offer and a lot of people would still look at your listing and entertain it because they're like, hey, I can offer or a lot of people, you know, they don't like to haggle. 
and they're just buy outright. But now with the economy where it is, people are looking for deals. And I think the less uh, resistance there is to a deal, the more chances are that they'll be willing to buy that item. They don't want to have to go, oh, 30% off. Oh, I need to get that coupon code, apply that coupon code, and then I'll get the discount. They just see the 50% off and they go for it. And it and it's been wild. I've been selling all kinds of stuff uh, on the low end and the high end, uh, but I can't list as much as I've been selling. And so th- that's a great place to be. So I encourage you guys, uh, maybe this is a time to kind of relook at your prices. And I'm not saying change prices, but maybe, you know, just do a, a quick sale and just experiment with what works for you. Yeah, that's good. I mean, as long as your pricing is is set that you're going to be profitable. I mean, maybe you don't do 50% store-wide, you do 50% in a category because you know your pricing is good there or you sl- hand select the items, but I'm sure that will definitely help. Uh, and something you said too, regarding the, uh, like, you know, knowing your car is going to break down, uh, it's not a surprise or something like Christmas coming up, right? Those things aren't surprises. Uh, and it just reminded me of, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, budgeting in our podcast, not, not, an insane amount, but enough because it's important as a reseller, you got to run your business as a business. Um, And part of that is even as money is coming in, like one of the things we do with personal budget, um, kind of going back to the Dave Ramsey style of of putting money in like envelopes is I kind of anticipate, okay, how much is it going to cost for uh, auto repairs this year? Well, I mean, I don't know exactly, but I can assume, you know, maybe $2,000 when you consider new tires, you know, spark plugs, oil change, and maybe something breaks and I have to take it to the mechanic and they're, they're going to be 800 bucks to fix or something like that. And so I just divide that up by 12 and I know, okay, well, how much money do I need to put in each month? And then if nothing happens that month, no problem, all that money is still sitting in that envelope. And then when something does happen, boom, I've got it. Okay. I need to replace this part. Even if it's a big repair over time, if I, if I went three years without having to tap into it as much, and then all of a sudden, you know, I've got to replace a big portion of the engine. It costs two or three grand. I'm, I'm good. I have that money. But a lot of people don't think to do that with their business in the same way of, Hey, I've got money coming in. How should I, I should be putting some money aside for these various expenses that could potentially come up. And even things like a slow season, you've got, you know, you talked about the slow sales until you did this, the sell time, you know, maybe you're putting away a hundred dollars every month when the season, the seasons are good and things are going really well. And then in three years, if all of a sudden the economy tanks and you you need to make it by a couple of months and figure things out, you've got an extra four grand in your business bank account. That's kind of just capital you've been saving. So I know a lot of people will, they they spend money as soon as it comes in and that's not the best bet. I mean, you don't want to have too much of a savings, but you got to have enough that you can, can handle those tough seasons, which is kind of what sets you up as a reseller for a season like this. No, I, you know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a family member, a member the other day and they were able to get a job in this economy. And I told them, I said, listen, now that you got a job, you got to do everything to save that money. Don't go and drop some money and, and get yourself a really nice dinner. Don't go out there and spend money now that you have it. What you need to do is now that things are kind of tightening up all right. This is the years of famine. So you got to be wiser. But I agree in 2020, the, I call it the year of plenty. I should have probably done a lot of other things. I would have done things differently. Right. And I think a lot of resellers would have done things differently had they known that we were going to, you know, eventually hit a peak and the market was going to go down. And I think a lot of people knew we just didn't know what that looked like. And because, you know, most people that have been selling full time on eBay, unless they're like the, the, you know, experienced resellers from like the early 2000s, which a lot of them listen to the podcast. Shout out to all of you that still listen to us, even though I feel like a newbie, despite being full-time for five years. You know, the the reality is I would say probably 80% of people that listen to our podcast have only been reselling for maybe five years or less. Right. So no, and most people here have never experienced what we're going through right now. And so whatever is taking place right now, I even told myself this other day, if, if I can make it through this season of reselling and I figure out what works, that's going to be great when things are going really well and understanding, okay, this is what I need to do to prep when there's going to be a low again, because it is low overall, you know, there's all kinds of YouTube videos, all kinds of YouTube influencers talking about sales are slow sales, you know, are, are dipping. And I think the reality is, is those people that were around in 08 or 09, when that major recession hit, I think they're, they're seeing, okay, this is going to happen. This is how we're going to adapt and we're going to get through it. And I think we're all going to get through it. And I think a lot of people 
are going to stop reselling. A lot of people are going to go back to the nine to five because it's safer if there's a nine to five that is safe right now. Uh, so yeah, that, that is, that's great hearing that because I've been pondering that this whole time when things are really good, I probably should have been a little bit better about things uh, because right now actually is the time to buy. buy and I, yep. do th- I do think in six months, I've been saying this on Instagram, I want to be cash heavy, not even six months. I want to be cash heavy, like starting the summer, because I do think this summer all through, you know, Q4, I think there's going to be a lot of buying opportunities. So if you have stuff right now, I strongly suggest that you sell. All right. Before we move on, another thing uh, that you should be doing uh, right now to ensure that you're getting your maximum refund uh, and, and, you know, keeping every dollar you can is using my reseller genie. If you're a reseller and you do not have any kind of bookkeeping in play, my reseller genie is the perfect tool for you. I use it. Uh, I've been, you know, trying all different kinds. I had QuickBooks and I had all these other ones, but it wasn't until I connected with my reseller genie two months ago that everything changed. I know my profit loss, you know, I'm able to track, you know, this is what this inventory, I, this is what I paid for. This is what, you know, it's sold for. And I'm, I'm able to do all this without having to use Excel spreadsheets, which I can't stand. So whether you like them or you don't like them like me, uh, my reseller genie is a great tool. Uh, go to the link below and use our code pure hustle, all in caps for 15% off the first month. And I, I'm telling you, it's going to be a game changer, especially if you have not been doing any kind of bookkeeping. And by the way, if you're part time, make sure you're bookkeeping. I'm telling you, uh, you know, <laughs> I saw I just saw a news story where this uh, guy that was selling on Amazon for like five years under the radar, like the government went after him and sent him this fat bill. And he had no way of being able to say this is how much money I lost in this year. This is, you know, my expenses because he had no sort of bookkeeping. So you want to make sure you have your bookkeeping intact. So again, go to my reseller genie link below. Use our promo code pure hustle, all caps, 15% off the first month and make sure that you're keeping every dollar. Yeah. Uh, do you have any random stories, Mike? Yeah, quick one. Um, so I got an offer the other day for a pair of jeans and it was a decent offer. I would, I would have taken it. Uh, but you know, just busy, you know, life's gone on. It wasn't enough of an offer. Like if you get an offer for something and you're going to make several hundred dollars, you're, you're jumping on it. Right. But it was one of those things where it's like, Oh, you know, I'm going to make 20 bucks on this. Um, let me look. And part of it is because I, I still have all my totes in different places. Like some of it's, you know, in a trailer, some of it's in the garage, some of it, like I'm, I'm kind of in a like funky. So it's like, I need to make sure I can like pull these jeans. Cause I'm not going to spend an hour pulling out a tote out of a trailer for a $20 profit. And so I, 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 I accidentally just let the offer expire. Right. And I'm like, Oh, dang it. You know, I let the offer expire. That's a bummer. Oh, well, not the end of the world. Then on their own, like, you know, 20 minutes after the offer expired, they offer again and like five more dollars. And so it's one of those things like it just goes to show that the quiet method, the silent method that we talk about all the time when it comes to negotiating at garage sales, not that I recommend using it on eBay. You should always counter offer if it's not an offer you're going to accept. But it's just kind of funny to see that the silent method actually ended up working on that too. It's kind of like in my mind, I can imagine them like, I'll give you, I'll, I'll pay you X amount for it. And I'm like, just sitting there quietly. And then they're like, okay, fine. I'll give you this much. Right. So they offered more without me even counter offering. Uh, So I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, Obviously I don't recommend the silent method when it comes to eBay offers. We talk about that when it comes to garage sale negotiations. If you missed our last episode, go check that out. That's one of the things we talked about. We even role played it a little bit, which uh, is always kind of awkward. People like it. Uh, I know people, people like it. People like it. Um, I mean, we could do a, we should do a podcast where we just do the silent method the whole time. Just an hour of me and you sitting quietly just to show the awkwardness. What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, But you know, it it is just kind of funny. I thought it was ironic and random that uh, the silent method actually worked on an eBay offer too. So yeah. What about you? Any random stories? We should call it the accidental method because that was an accident. (laughs) It was, yeah. The accidental silent method. So I don't have like a random story. And I, I think maybe we'll do a reaction video to this. Uh, we haven't done one of those in a long time. But there's this documentary on Netflix called The Pez Outlaw. And I found it uber fascinating as a reseller. So just give, let me give you a quick rundown. So there's a guy who in the early, I think, yeah, is, is early 80s, late 80s, made a ton of money by getting the, the freebies from cereal boxes. 
you know how I was at the bottom of the cereal box back in the day? I don't know if yep. you do that anymore. Or you could send no. in like the card in the back of the, the cereal box yep. and then you get a free yep. gift. And so he was killing it. He he was selling stuff like all the time. He was going like to trade shows, toy shows. This is pre-eBay. This is, you know, I wonder how this went down, right? So he actually claimed that he's the reason why it became one household only, you know, that could claim mm. the prize. And then that happened. What was he like? What was he like getting uh getting boxes out of trash cans and stuff and people no, no, in the no. neighborhood? No, no, he, maybe, maybe it didn't show that in the no, sending in the <laughs> no, no, but he was going like you know, buying cereal and just getting those free toys, and he was it was he was making a lot of money doing that. That's what I love about reselling, like there's always a way, right? So then yeah. that kind of dried up for him a little bit, but he was at a he was at one of these, you know. I guess back then you went to like flea markets or swap meets, whatever toy convention. And somebody came up to him and it showed him a Pez. And, and he was really interested in this Pez dispenser. And, and, you know, the documentary tries to go over the top and he asked her what it was. And she said something like, you must go to Slovakia or something like that. I don't know what it was. And so he looked it up and he found out that there was a Pez factory out there. And so him and his son get passports and they get a loan from a credit bureau and they go out there. They go to the Pez factory because not a lot of people have the Pez that she had. He wanted to be different. And Pez had a loophole that you could not, people in America could not, like Pez, you know, distributors could not sell European Pezes. But there was nothing that said that you couldn't bring European Pez to the States. And so he goes out there and he goes in this factory. He finds a factory, like he goes in the middle of, I forget, whatever European country. And he goes to the factory and he asks for a bunch of Pez and they sell it to him. So he gets all these Pez. He has duffel bags upon duffel bags. And then he goes to customs and people are looking at him like he's crazy. And his solution was, if I just act crazy, people will leave me alone. You should watch the documentary. It's pretty fascinating. So he acts kind of weird and everything, and he gets through customs. Well, he has a gold mine because he has the Pez dispensers that no one else in the States has. So he's making like thousands upon thousands. He's able to buy a new house. He's able to have his wife quit her job early. They buy a ranch. Like they are living it up. Okay, things are golden. You should watch it. I'm not ruining the documentary for anybody because I'm not as great as the documentary. I'm just telling a story. So then... Pez has a problem. And so the president, known as the president, gets really upset about what's going on. Who's this guy undercutting our market? They can't do this. And so they actually sent like um, private investigators to follow this guy in Europe. Okay. So, long story short, the way that Pez hurts this guy is this guy decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to create my own designs after a while. And since I can do that, I'm going to directly buy from Pez. So he created his own Pez dispensers. He sent them over to Europe. It got them imported via Taiwan. And he was making a killing. But what do you think Pez did? How do you think they ended his, what he was doing? Besides suing him. I mean, I mean, it's basically like a Vero, right? Like, No, they didn't even do a Vero. You know what they did? They hmm. took all his designs because it's not trademark. And they repackaged them and they flooded the market. With his Pez dispensers and these now that is some, that is some business uh, business work right there for sure. And you and in the documentary, the Pez employees, like the guy that ran the operation to destroy him, was like, I was pretty satisfied about that. I was like, whoa, like I don't even know if this is good PR for Pez, but anyways, I mean, it makes sense if somebody's making money off of your basically your design, your product, you know. Yeah, yeah, but but again, it's what we talked about. I think it was in the Four Hour War Week or Grant Cardone's Ten X, one of those books about the unfair advantage, right? The unfair advantage was he figured out a loophole with Pez. He went to where the product was that no one else could find, right? So demand ended up commanding higher prices in the states. And then once you know Pez began to hold back all that you know, all those Pez's because they realized what was going on. He decided to go on his own and then they fled the market and destroyed him. But still, the guy did pretty well. The guy was able to help his family out. It just, I, I didn't go into all the details because I didn't want to ruin it for everybody, but it's a pretty fascinating uh, documentary. And I thought, wow, like this is, this is wild. It made me think like, is there anything 
that on on eBay that I sell consistently well that I can find that I can maybe create my own product or go directly to manufacturer, which is what people do on Amazon all the time. Yeah, it's but, basically the private label, right? You know, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what you do when you're doing private label. But it was, I was like, wow, like as a reseller, like how many times have you found a niche, right? And you thought nobody else would know. And then eventually time catches up with you, right? And you have to adapt. Yeah. And that's what this guy did. He adapted. I mean, the, the guy, when he made his own Pez's and they got delivered, he had his whole, whole house full of Pez dispensers that no one else had. Unfortunately, Pez figured out a way to end him and they did. So that, that, that was my, that was my uh, interesting story. Again, I'm not getting paid by Netflix. Netflix, you should sponsor <laughs> us. Okay. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool to, to watch. So yeah. that is my random yeah. story. Nice. All right. All right. Hey, if you haven't yet been following us, there's a bunch of other uh, awesome stories in our Discord. Uh, we have all kinds of resellers that sell from Amazon. We got people that buy from Ross and Flip. We got people that do the vintage game like us. We have individuals that go to garage sales, go to the bins. There's just a wealth of knowledge in there from new sellers to people that have been selling for 20 plus years. So I encourage you, if you haven't yet, help us out by supporting the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. Or go to the link below and you can support us for $5.55 a month. And as a bonus of supporting us, you'll have access to Discord and that wealth of knowledge. So again, go nice. to the Patreon link below and sign up. And I tell you, it, it, what's been awesome is Mike has said this from the beginning. It's not like the Mike and Orlando Discord. It's the Pure the Podcast Community Discord. And you and I have been really crazy busy. And so we haven't been able to be there all the time. I, I'm on there daily pretty much, but not all the time. And, you know, what ends up happening is everybody else is in there and they have a wealth of knowledge. I mean, I only have the knowledge I have from like the last 10 years, but there's a right. lot more people that are better at different things. And so I definitely encourage you to join the Pierce podcast community by signing on to Patreon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been an awesome experience being in the, the discord and, and just seeing, you know, all the different things people do. And even sometimes it's just that community, right. Of knowing, okay, I'm not alone in this. I had this customer do this today, or how should I do like any suggestions on packing this and just having the, a group of people who are in the same boat as you uh, and that got stories. And then, like you said, a wealth of knowledge uh, The discord is great. Uh, and, and again, it's because of people like you uh, supporting us that Pyrrhus podcast can keep going. So thank you very much. Sorry, my mic's off. Are you hearing a lot of background noise while I'm talking? Uh, a little bit. Um, not when you're talking, but uh, I'll, I'll mute you if, uh, if it gets a little too no noisy. So let's go into uh, some reseller topics. We got some interesting stories here. Uh, some that, that will kind of surprise you and shock you. Uh, just because it's kind of weird. Oh, we don't have the sound. I was waiting for the, the sound to come on. We're not doing the sound today, huh? Yeah, I could. I, um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Um, I'll, I'll have the bolo one ready. I have to, I have to uh, get that built in. We, we did this on the fly. Next time we do this, I'll have all the sound effects built in. So we'll be all good. Right. So here's the, here's the first thing. I, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, automatic payments been happening now. I, and I think, did we talk about this last podcast? I can't remember when we talked about that that automatic payments are happening for offers. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, oh, we did. Okay. And it's not, it's not every offer. It's, it's, you, you get to see, I've had it for a while now. It'll tell you whether or not like the buyer will pay within four days or buyer selected prepayment. You'll be paid as soon as you accept the offer. Okay. So since we already talked about it, I want to tie it into why I think that that's happening. So I was doing some research for the podcast and I came across with this interview uh, from the vice president and the head of payments and, and risk at eBay. His name is Adibak Sharma. And, and in this interview, he was talking about why eBay doesn't want consumers to think about pain. All right. And, and basically he was discussing the idea, like, for example, like eBay in Germany, people don't pay right away. They instead get sent invoices and they'll pay that after a certain amount of time. Right. Or, or businesses will send invoices and so on. And, and their goal, he was saying, was on eBay was they don't want the buyer really thinking about paying. They just want them to think about buying the stuff in a seamless way. And so my thoughts are, is it possible that that this is why eBay has been so slow to make this happen, that they're trying to make this in a way that it doesn't stop you know buyers from from going, I really want this now. And then they have to input all this information. And they're going, you know what? Uh, they start thinking about it and they start entering that credit card info and they go, you know, I don't know if I really want this anymore. 
And it made a yeah. lot of sense to me. I'm not saying I'm okay with it. I still want people to pay right away, but it gave me an understanding as to, okay, maybe this is why eBay is doing this. So he said, uh, he said, our goal is to make sure our users can go through these payments in the fastest and most frictionless way possible. It's to make sure people spend the least amount of time thinking about paying for stuff. Uh, and, and they said, as the payment is incidental to the matter, despite its importance. And so when I read that, I was like, all right, I, I understand eBay. Now, had eBay from the beginning asked for all this information, right? which I, I know on Amazon, it was like that. You know, Amazon's always had my information from day one. Right. Uh, you know, eBay had people from even back in the day, people that have been buying on eBay for over a decade that didn't have to do that. And so I'm thinking that's why the lag, it gave, it gave me, I don't know, I don't want to say empathy, but it gave me an understanding. Like, okay, yeah. maybe this is why things are the way they are. Well, and that's why I've been saying all along that that it, it, the only reason they wouldn't have just implemented this is if they've kind of done the math and they've done the projections and they feel like it's going to cause enough friction for the buyers that it's going to reduce sales or something, right? Like th th there's... The, the only other thing it could be is that it's too hard for them to figure out on the back end on the tech side. And I just don't believe that's the case. There's smart, there's smart, you know, people working at eBay, IT department, coders, people who can do that. They probably have a long laundry list of things they're trying to do and fix, but that would be a priority item that would probably take six months to develop, you know, exactly how they want to roll that out. So it made sense. The only other way that for as a business, they wouldn't do that is if they thought it would hurt their bottom line. And so, you know, if it's, if it's a slow rollout, it's new customers are putting information in now it's like in there and um, you know, who knows, like they, eventually it's going to become the norm, right? Like, I think that's probably one of the reasons it's been a slow drag out on something like this is, is over time that is going to be the norm people expect, but even things like, you know, shipping speeds, all of those things, it takes people kind of getting used to like, Oh, this is how, Oh, I can buy stuff online now. And I don't have to go into Walmart. And it took a while before that became the norm. And now people are just used to it. I even remember like, remember when the chips first came out on credit cards? Yeah. Yeah. I remember those. Yes. How so long it when, took when to chip do anything. It was terrible, right? Like it was like, I was like, why are they doing this? They say it's more secure. It's supposed to be faster. It takes forever for it to go through. The swipe was so much better. And then over time they got the speed up. And now because of the chips, you can literally just like scan your, your, your card overneath over the, the reader yeah. and it's like instant. And so I, I think it's one of those things where it's not technology wise per se, but just people being used to it. Like I, I used to be like, if I could, if I had the choice of using the chip or swipe, I'm going to swipe because it's faster and I don't want to use your chip. Don't make me do this. And so customers are going to be, there's going to be friction whenever you change a process. And and so they're probably trying to like, how can we roll this out as seamlessly as possible where it's, it's causing the least amount of friction so that we're not losing customers on eBay and we're not hurting our our overall sales because it's easy as a seller to be like i want this it makes sense uh but they're business and, and they're not going to make a decision unless it's you know makes sense for them yeah agreed agreed i still hope they fix it though <laughs> yeah, me, now, too. me too uh, here's another other interesting ebay story that i came across and so this is uh from the daily mail uh, and the title is a British pensioner, 72, who canceled sale of vintage tape recorder on eBay after noticing it was damaged is ordered to pay would-be buyer 11,600 pounds as Germany, uh, as German court rules bid or euro, maybe it's euros. I know it's a pound. Uh, as German court rules bid is binding under EU law. And so basically, here, I'll read it real quick. A German court has ordered a Brit British pensioner who canceled the sale of vintage tape recorder on eBay after noticing it was damaged to pay the amount to the winning bidder. My God in 72 put an advertisement for the 1970s recorder on the American auction site, allowing bids starting from 99 pounds. Uh, the Studer 880 tape recorder is the same make as the one used by Pink Floyd for their iconic 1973 album. So, but Mr. Godden, the guy that was selling a retired music studio engineer, canceled the auction after noticing the recorder was damaged eight, eight days before the end of the sale. The winning bidder, a man from Germany, insisted, however, that the device was rightfully his and sent messages demanding to be sent the parcel. Initially, Mr. Godden ignored the man, but the bidder took the case to court in Germany. Although the seller had followed eBay's rules correctly, which states the sale can be canceled up to 12 hours before closing, the court ruled that the EU law overrode the site's procedure and sent him a bill of 11600 So let me break down the wow. bill. Mr. Godden was ordered to pay 7,551 pounds to cover the cost of an equivalent tape recorder and 4,049 for legal fees after the court found he had created a contract with the German buyer. 
Holy smokes. And, and, and I, in that crate now, these stories have happened in the US before. I remember there was a diamond ring, I think in like Miami, where somebody had bought it and I think they, they undervalued it or whatever it was. And so they didn't want to sell it and they canceled it or something. And the person took them to court and they still had to sell that diamond to them. And so I read this and I'm like, all right, this is a, a warning again to be really careful when canceling sales. Uh, because you never know, especially when it's a high end sale. Now, granted, you sell, mm-hmm. you know, a forty hundred dollar item. No one's going to take you to court unless you know they have money to burn. Okay, this was this was a huge case. The crazy thing to me is the fact that the seller had to pay the legal fees. Now, that's your- I mean, that's usually how it works. If you lose if you lose a case, um, a lot of times that's built into that is you have to pay the legal fees for the other person. Uh, it's, it, that's a risk you take when you sue somebody. A lot of times is, um, you know, part of that could be the, the legal fees you win. And so you don't pay anything. But if you lose, you're out that money, which is the reason why typically we don't have to be as worried about um you know, that type of a thing is because yeah, the amount of effort it would take and it probably did cost close to $4,000 for this guy to sue for a $7,000 thing. It's like the average person's not going to do that. You know, it's going to cost more. So unless you're selling things in the tens of thousands, the chances of somebody going through litigation is, is very low. And I don't think that's something that in the States we have to worry about. Um, but you know, it's, 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 uh, it is scary, right? If you're selling higher end stuff that, I mean, that might be something you got to deal with. Like you said, that ring, it's higher end um, because the litigation fees are, are it, it's a gamble. If they lose it, then they're out that money. It was, wasn't worth it. It's more hassle for them to do it, which is why like a lot of businesses will try and uh, uh, they'll try and settle outside of court, right? Because it's cheaper for them to settle outside of court than to try and go through all the legal fees. So that, that if nothing else, I mean, it could be scary as a reseller to hear a story like that, but I think that is the exception and not the rule. And I think unless you're selling the like super high end stuff and we all do occasionally have an item that's like several thousand dollars. Uh, but again, like you're probably looking unless, I mean, that's, that's an item that was closer to 10,000, right? So that's not the average person. The average person who's reselling items that expensive, they probably have some kind of, uh, some kind of insurance covering those types of lawsuits and stuff anyway. So, uh, it, it's scary, but I think it's one of those things. It's more of like an interesting story than something that like can, should panic a reseller. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But it's also a good reminder that everything is a contract. If you accept an offer, it's a contract. The buyer has to pay. <laughs> it's funny I say that because that's not mandated by eBay, but they they should be, right? Because it is a contract and you have a contract to sell the item. And so the interesting thing on, on this is that eBay lets buyers get away all the time without paying, all right, but the reality is that that shouldn't be the case because it's a binding contract. Now, I do think there's more to the story because I it couldn't have been easily resolved. Couldn't the guy have been messaged and say, hey, it's not working. You know, there's something broken with it. I can refund you a quarter of it if you want, or I can cancel the transaction. That probably yeah, I mean, that sounds like maybe, maybe but probably not, though, because it's probably one of those things where maybe he didn't realize what it was worth. You know what I mean? And like, then he realized, oh, I need to do more research on this. Because imagine like you were selling something, you put something up for for best offer for buy it now at, you know, a certain price and it just sells within seconds. And you're like, oh my gosh, let me do the research. Well, this was something I could have sold for 10 times what I sold it for, you know, then that's one of those. And maybe that was his case. Like, was it really something like, oh, this is damaged. I don't want to sell this. Um, yeah. I mean, who knows? I don't know. I, I don't know the whole story. Um, it sounds like if you won litigation, uh, the, the buyer that there, maybe there's more to the story. So I don't know. Yeah. Now here's another interesting one. And I think I solved the beanie baby mystery and I don't want to talk about beanie babies every podcast. I feel like it's been a constant theme, but somebody had messaged me on, on Instagram say, Hey, Orlando, I was listening to a real estate podcast and they were talking about, how real estate investors sell to each other items at a high cost to build capital. So what they do is they'll take a credit card and they'll spend the credit card and they're willing to deal with the 18% you know, uh, interest on it. But what they're able to do is they're able to liquidate uh, that money into cash by making that eBay purchase from somebody else. And then that person loans them out that cash, right? And so... What ends up so they're they in this on the podcast, and I went down this rabbit hole. I couldn't find anybody directly saying that, but I had a lot of people talking about VHS, like high end VHS tapes are that way, Beanie Babies. Um, I forget what the other high end, oh, the the um, the corningware, 
like the the casserole dishes. So I think that's what's happening. I think it's either a money laundering or it's, you know, drug money <laughs> or C, or C it's people taking credit cards, making purchases on eBay with somebody that they know. Maybe maybe they even created their own account and they're buying from themselves. And then they cash out that money and they invest that money. And, you know, maybe they have a 0% APR on a credit card for a year. And then they're hoping to pay back that liquidated loan they made through that high-end purchase on eBay. Yeah, I mean... That, uh, that, that, that definitely makes sense to something that can be done. I mean, it's, you end up running into other issues as far as like, okay, taxes. So it, it, I guess it could be a way of getting a cheaper loan. I mean, basically that's what it comes down to. It's, you're trying to get a cheaper loan than you could get. Like, cause if you're trying to do a cash out, let's say you got a $10,000 credit card limit and they'll let you take out $5,000 in cash, but it's going to be at 20% interest. But like you said, if you've got a way of, you know, one getting cash reward points and then two, you're interest free for a certain period of time. You, you're kind of almost like getting a loan from the credit card, as it were. But then you got to deal with on the back end. Now you've made if you were, if you did it yourself or you did it with a friend, then they're going to have to file taxes on that money. So which means that's going to be a fee from the loan is the taxes. So it seems like there's a lot involved. But if somebody's smart enough to do the math and realize, hey, I can get this basically this loan by this fake eBay sell for you know, by the time it's all said and done, it ends up being like 6%. Whereas if I would have taken out this loan and, you know, somewhere else it would have been 12%, you know, then, then maybe, maybe that's, I mean, it makes sense. I can imagine people doing it. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. I was like, okay, maybe this is, this solves the ministry. All right. One last one here. So I I've been talking about a while for the fact that I'm not sure how long sneaker reselling is going to be something that Nike is going to be okay with. Uh, just because right now there's a lot of reps being made out there. And the only reason I know what it's called is because one of our, our listeners had commented uh, and these reps are phenomenal. Like I had mentioned in our last podcast, how there's some stores in South America, actually entire malls that are made up of, of fake Nike shoes and other brands. Mm. And so recently Nike and they've already, they've already sued, uh, sued people, but they ended up suing uh, again, uh, StockX, and this was over a pair of, of 38 pairs of Nike shoes. So they bought a bunch of shoes off of StockX and they bought it off, you know, the same buyer. And then they realized that they were all, not all of them were fake, but I think like it was like out of so many pairs, it was like 60% of the pairs they bought from this person were all reps. They were all fakes. And so now mm. Nike is suing StockX again. And so to me, it's, 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 it's just wild to me uh, in the sense that, number one, uh, I think eBay is the best place to sell, sell sneakers right now because they do the authenticity guarantee. And so I think a lot of buyers will read that story and they'll go like, I'm not going to go to StockX. I'm not going to go to go. I'm going to go to eBay. So I think eBay is winning that category, even though I've had bad experiences where they said my shoes were fake, even though they were real. On the other end, I think it's going to have to be something where you know, those that sell high-end sneakers, they're going to have to find a way to get, you know, either they're going to build trust with their buyers or it's going to be a place where, you know, you got to be really selective on what shoes you're going to sell because, you know, some of these reps are, are really, really authentic looking, right? They, I mean, I myself, I'm not a sneaker guy and I, I used to wear Jordans and Allen Iversons all the time in the 90s and 2000s. But even I couldn't tell you the difference by by some of these. So, anyways, just be, be careful out there. I, you know, maybe one day Nike will end up veering all shoes. They already do that with anything that's sold outside of the global shipping program uh, going across overseas. So just be careful about that. All right. Hey. Um, so I had one more thing I wanted to talk about since we're just uh, we're we're wrapping up here the news story. So. Be aware, and a lot of people have talked about this, but have you noticed the, the, the glitch, Mike, on what's happening on eBay with the keyword searches? Like you're trying to find stuff and then you can't find it in your inventory. It's it's basically gone. Has that happened to you? No. Okay, so give, let me give you a story. So I, the other day, had a sale and I could not find the item. Like I just could not find it. So. I did a keyword search and sure enough, it didn't pop up. 
I it took me to like the third word. I kept putting in different words and finally it popped up. Or I was trying to find a pair of Danner boots. Really easy. I typed in Danner boots, did not show up. So what's been happening lately on eBay, uh, and I think it's, it's I'm not the only one. There's plenty of people, uh, Colorado Warren, Rockstar Flippers talked about it. There's been a bunch of other people. They posted on Instagram that there is a keyword glitch right now. And so I'm wondering if part of what's been, you know, been the difficulty with getting sales possibly has been tied in the fact that people are looking for stuff and they can't find it. Because uh, even myself, I've been looking up comps every once in a while. The other day I typed in, was it, I don't think it was Harley Davidson, something similar to Harley Davidson. And it gave me that there were only two available in all of eBay. Hmm. And then I put in like a different word that was kind of tied into the product. And sure enough, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those items ended up showing up. So it just kind of wild. Just be aware of that. What I will say in order to fix this is make sure you're filling out item specifics, right? Because maybe it won't catch in the title, but maybe it'll catch on the item specifics. I'm not sure. But I, I think, you know, eBay is really focusing on item specifics. And I think that there may be a transition thing happening. And that's why there, there's a bunch of difficulties there. So that are that is our reseller topics. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, before we get into our bolos, uh, one thing I have needed as sales have begun to take off is that I've needed some bubble wrap. And uh, I got to tell you, I love it with American Bubble Boy because it is next day shipping for me. Depends where you're at in the country, but it's free shipping and it's next day. And so let's say it's Saturday and you're running low and you know you need bubble wrap. I ordered my stuff on Sunday and it got to my house by Tuesday. And so I, I didn't skip a beat when it came to wrapping up stuff so make sure to use the link in the description helps you out helps us out i'm a big fan of the four foot roll of 700 plus square feet for i think it's now 35 dollars. and and prices i think are going to go up soon so make sure if you want to save a little bit you're buying you know a good amount now all right what is your bolo oh wait wait hold on hold on hold on oh we're not, we're not, don't, oh, don't, don't, don't don't ask that question because i got something here okay okay Is it, that's that a, was the old one. Yeah, yeah old. I got to find the new one. I just tried to get it off the 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 uh, what's it called off of our drive, and so I must have pulled the wrong one. Uh, but you know, I, I think we're good now. So let's let's hear the old one one more time. It's, it's such a Mike. Can you hear? Can you hear me? I think I lost you for a moment. Yep, I can hear you. But go. This is the most organic podcast ever. Orlando, I can hear you. That's all right. So while Orlando's trying to fix his uh, audio here, hopefully you guys can still hear me. Um, we'll we'll find out when we we do this. Um, so for those of you while Orlando's working on getting his audio fixed here, um, bolos, if you're not aware, are items that you should be on the lookout for. So bolo stands for be on lookout, uh, and these are items that you can spend. Um, you know few dollars maybe at a, at a thrift store or garage sale, maybe more, but it's items that are going to make you a lot of money. Uh, maybe it's brands you haven't heard of yet. Uh, so it's specific things you should be on the lookout for uh, when it comes to that. So um, Orlando, can you hear me? You back there, Orlando? All right. So um, go ahead and just try and talk Orlando. All right. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going. Uh, so the uh, first, my bolo is Harry Potter stuff. Now, um, I had a whole bunch Mike, of these nano figure. Harry, I can hear you go. now, Orlando. You're right, good. I'm back. All right. Sweet. Okay. So I'm giving my bolo right now, Orlando. So my bolo is uh, Harry Potter stuff. So I bought a bunch of these nano figure metal Harry Potter things uh, at Costco a couple of years ago. And I got, okay. there were Marvel ones and there were Harry Potter ones. And they've kind of just sat in my inventory for a long time. They were on sale at Costco. I think we ended up getting them for like six or $7 a box. They're really inexpensive. Uh, and each box is like booster packs. There's 20 blister booster packs in them. And they've sat for a long time, occasionally get an offer here and there. And then all of a sudden, Harry Potter ones start flying off the shelf. Now, if you're not aware, Harry Potter just released a new video game. So the video game is on all the major consoles. It's really big, got a ton of headlines. Uh, a lot of people are talking about it. So there's now new, um, like, 
fervor, I guess there's excitement about Harry Potter because people are starting to play these games. Kids maybe who haven't been experienced or exposed to Harry Potter very much now all of a sudden are being exposed to Harry Potter because of this new video game. And so things that are Harry Potter are selling for good money. So my bolo is Harry Potter. Uh, what about you, Orlando? What's your uh, bolo? So I, I've mentioned model trains before, but what I'm finding out lately, I've been buying a lot of like model trains that aren't working and I've been parting them out. But the one thing that always tends to sell right away and for good money are the remotes. So I had like a Disney Roto train set. You know, I didn't want to set it up. I didn't want to deal with the house. So I paid $5 for it and I sold the remote for 40 bucks. I had a Lionel one. I paid $12 for the set. Listed it, sold within 24 hours for $35, sold another remote for $35. And so they're not big money makers, but you know, even if you find a train set and you're like, oh man, this is all jumbo, it's all messed up. If the cost is low enough and they have the remote on there to make it work, it may be worth picking up. And that's pretty much with anything, any kind of toy. People are looking for replacement parts. I had mentioned before about whether it be nativity sets that people are looking for replacement parts, uh, whether it be you know, they have a do this is one other thing, a Duplo set like or Lego. People are looking for a certain minifigure. Always keep in mind of like, all right, if I had this at home and it's something that was important to us that we brought out on the holidays or we constantly used, what would happen if I lost this piece? Where would I go? Well, you probably would go to eBay to find that replacement. So for me, it's think of route remote control for railroad sets. I know that's pretty specific, but that can relate to a lot of things. It can relate to a lot of toys. People are looking for those remotes. So keep an eye. Good. All right. So what are you looking forward to here? Um, all right. So I've got an upcoming, uh, uh, like road trip sourcing trip I'm going to take here, uh, hopefully this, this weekend. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to keep the details on it a little bit hush until after it's over. And then after I'm done with this trip, so next, uh, update episode, I will, uh, I'll, I'll give all of the, the reasons behind it and kind of the things that I was looking for. Uh, so I'm excited about that because I haven't done a road trip sourcing trip in a while. Uh, it's been a little bit slow for me with sourcing as far as that goes. So I, I'm excited about that and excited to share the story when uh, I get back. What about you, Orlando? What are you looking forward to? So I'm looking forward to sourcing four of my death piles and, and just clearing it. Here, here's the goal. When you come back, Mike, and you can hold me to it, when you come back to the studio here before you make your final destination and we record a couple more episodes, the podcast room will be empty of inventory. Nice. Not, 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 Okay empty of unlisted inventory. There's still going to be work in my storage stuff. Cause I got to tell you, I, I just, I have so much stuff and I need a list of, I'm also looking forward to, you know, sourcing again, uh, as far as, you know, being constantly on the local deals, I've kind of backed off a little bit cause I've been sourcing my own stuff and I'm realizing I have a lot of good stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm just looking to overall, organizing and i mentioned that a lot but for example i had plans when i first moved onto this property to use a whole room to like just do amazon stuff just you know make those huge fba shipments bring in inventory you know do the prepping there and everything and what ended up happening is it just got filled up with a bunch of stuff we had that huge uh, B ebay store that we bought out we still got all that yep. stuff in there i still have yep. all the amazon inventory i'm just trying to I'm just going to start moving that stuff, like liquidating a lot of the Amazon stuff. It's just it's just dead money that's just sitting there. Uh, instead, I can turn that to cash and, and I can source more. So I'm trying to get that done. Uh, and, uh, you know, just just trying to be better about things, be better about my my shipping supplies and everything. You know, here's the thing with life. If things get crazy in life, right, you end up, you know, having a new child or or you end up having to. I don't know. Sometimes you got to like move and you got to move to a smaller place or or your kids are playing sports, whatever it is that makes your life more complicated. The more organized you can be, the easier it is to handle things. But if you're like Orlando and you just go by the seat of your pants and you're just like, oh, I'll fix that later. I'm going to source. I'm going to list that later. And da, 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 da. things get super complicated and you feel overwhelmed. And I will tell you the last few weeks of just sourcing for my own inventory uh, has been pretty refreshing. It's been nice to clear up some space, move some inventory and, and just go, you know what? I, I can run this better. I can be smoother about this. And, uh, you know, there's a one reseller out there. I want to see those North Carolina picker. I, I, I'm not sure if I'm right. Shout out to them. Uh, the trash to cash, a podcast. I think what he did is he took 
all of his eBay listings down and he's starting new and putting his stuff back up that he thinks it's worth a listing. Now, I'm not going to do that, but I am in a place where I, I don't want to waste time with inventory that's not worth it. So I, I'm going to start moving stuff. I want to be cash heavy and I'll be, I want to be able to make major buys uh, coming the second uh, half of 2023 here. All right, you good, Mike? This this has been a you know it. This has been an interesting podcast. You guys no, it's good. It's good. All the background stuff that's been going on while we're recording. We got family intel and everything, but hey, we want to keep it real as always. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Wait, peace.